On Tuesday, May the 24th of 2022, in Uvalde, Texas, an 18-year-old male whose name will not be mentioned on this podcast entered an elementary school, barricaded himself in a classroom, and killed 19 second, third, and fourth graders and two teachers. We'll dive into that when we return. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Practical Prepping Podcast. We come to you tonight with sadness and a heavy heart and some anger regarding the massacre that took place at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. We want to look at the information that we have currently. But we do want to introduce a brand new sponsor to you, and that is Base Handgun Training System. Now, the designer of the system has offered our listeners a free gift, and that is his Prepared Citizen video course that is linked on the website from the Friends and Affiliates page at www.practicalprepping.info. He's also offering a $50 discount to our listeners on the base handgun training system, and that link is also on the website. If you own or carry a firearm and haven't had training, you really need to check out the base firearms training system. And now to our topic. We know it's not the gun, but what is the answer? So here's what we know. An 18-year-old male legally purchased two AR-15 rifles in March, a couple of days apart. Reportedly, after an argument, he shot his grandmother. He drove his pickup truck and wrecked it in a ditch near Robb Elementary School. There is video footage of him sneaking up to the school with one of the rifles. He entered the school, apparently through an unlocked door. Now, we must have controlled access in our schools. Agreed. Does not mean that we can only have one entrance or exit. But what it means is that if you don't have the code, you don't go through that door. Or if you don't have a card access, you don't go through that door. And you don't Anyone inside the school does not open that door to let someone else in. Everyone must go to the front office to come through that way. We've got to control the access points in these schools. Yes, he came in, and I understand that he entered a classroom full of children and uh, began firing. Mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately, he killed... 19 persons and wounded 16 other persons by barricading himself in that classroom. And he even engaged the first responders who were arriving uh, at that time. Yeah, and there were also two teachers killed. Now, there was a nearby Border Patrol police officer who responded. 
and he entered the building. He engaged the shooter, and he neutralized the shooter. Now, he was wounded, but he was able to walk out. Now, you all know that if you've been listening to us for the past almost two years now, rarely do we dive into anything that has a political flavor in it. But we just really can't hold our tongue on this because the president of the United States could have taken the opportunity to unify the American people and to simply offer compassion and comfort. But he chose to take another direction. His response, in our opinion, missed the mark completely. As I have often heard it said, no crisis goes wasted in some people's minds. And I think this is, again, another time where this has become a political football. And instead, he challenged the lawmakers to have courage to pass more gun control laws. And he called for them to stand up to the gun lobby. Yes, he made no mention of his appreciation for the first responders Mm-mm. or the the actions that were taken that did ultimately save more lives, although sadly, lives were taken. But you know, there is no law that could be written that would have prevented this tragedy. You know, the shooter obviously broke the laws that do exist about taking another's life. Well, it's he, called, broke, it's, he, he broke several laws. Right. I mean, I... This could be 50 or 75 that he broke or counts, 50 or 75 counts that he actually broke. One, he entered that school unauthorized. You know, I have not heard one single moment of news media state that this shooter broke the law. Oh, no. There's been no mention of crime or lawbreaking in any of this tragedy. Yeah, there, there's just... It, it's it's unconscionable. Yeah, and I'm, I'm stuttering over this, folks. I really am. This, this thing, and I'm going more and more toward anger when I look at what they're trying to do with the narrative of this. And as I said, he broke laws. He entered that building unauthorized. Now, federal law says that he can't carry a firearm into a school. That law did a lot of good, didn't it? Well, he broke that one. And he assaulted at least 25 people with a firearm. Right. Assault is illegal. Mm -hmm. And he killed 22 people, if you count his grandmother, which he had shot before he went to the school. And there are conflicting reports there. We've seen reports that she has survived, and we've seen reports where she survived and then passed away a little later at the hospital. Well, this shooter must have known ahead of time that he would have had a certain amount of access to the school. You know, it's not something I believe he would have just accidentally happened upon. There was a lot of planning. Well, he went went to high school in this city. Mm-hmm. And very possibly he had gone to elementary school there, but it's a small town, what, 16,000 people. True. And it's just, there was no school resource officer there, but there were so many things, so many laws that he broke, murder being one of those, but there is no law that would have prevented this tragedy. 
You know, some will say, well, if he just didn't have access to a gun, this would never have happened, or this mass tragedy would never have happened. You ever heard about the guy that killed his parents with a machete? Or that mass stabbing attack that took place in London? Yeah, and there have been families killed with a baseball bat. There was a mass attack in a Japanese subway of a poisonous vapor that was released that I know killed at least 80 people. So the gun's not the problem. No, the gun has never been the problem. It's not a gun problem. It's not a weapon problem. It's not a weapon problem. We've seen machetes, knives, baseball bats. Bare hands. Bare hands, two-befores, crowbars. It's not a weapon problem. And it's not a problem with the laws. We've already shown you that he broke the law. And what happens here is someone, a human being, purposes in their mind and heart, and even though their mind may not be working well, the mental illness, I think, is a factor. It's the person who makes the decision to take another's life with whatever weapon they choose to use. Yeah, this is a people problem. It's a heart and spirit problem. It it absolutely is. And the first place that I see where it's a people problem is we've seen a destruction of the family unit. Yes, almost a purposeful destruction. Well, there are a lot of government policies that encourage the destruction of families. Right. And it's it's so needless and and we our hearts go out to parents that do find themselves as single parents. There's thousands and millions of single mothers and single fathers out there doing the very best they can, and they're raising great kids, and they're they're trying as hard as they know how because they do care. But there are some children that are growing up in really messed up homes, Mm -hmm. really messed up. And part of that's because the parents have abdicated their parental responsibilities. Well, a lot of them have, and they're in prison or missing by choice, or they're in the home and they're destructive to the relationship between them and their child, where a lot of times the foster uh, and social services have to step in to take the children to another home for their own safety. You know, they're not being involved in their education. I know when we were growing up, I'm not sure about your house, uh, y'all tended to do, at least you girls tended to do your homework when you were supposed to. (laughs) I don't imagine it was that way always with the boys. But our parents, our dad in particular, checked our homework. He went over our homework to make sure we had done it. Now, he may not look over it completely every single night, But he made sure we did our homework and we were to come to him with anything that we did not understand. And if it was math, he would just knock it right out and he'd usually show us a better way to get to the answer. Well, I'll tell you something, too, that you and I both were very, very blessed and privileged to have a mother and a father both in our homes who from a very early age in our lives began to help train us and teach us what it means to be a responsible and productive human being, Mm -hmm. a good citizen in the community, and a darn good, well-behaved kid at home. Yeah, and parents are sending kids to school without having taught them to be humans. Oh, I know. Teachers are actually told by parents today, 
You need to make my child kind. You need to teach my child how to share. Or to behave. Yeah. You need to do this. This is your job. You're the teacher. And that's not what the teacher's contract or degree states. And then when the kids act up, they want to blame it on the teacher or the school. Mm -hmm. And then the district gets involved, and it's really a mess. It's a mess. But they have no concept that they are the problem. Many, many times the parents are the problem. And they're not seeing how that's reflected in their growing children who come up through elementary school, get into middle school, and they sort of lose their way. Mm-hmm. And parents think that if the child is acting passable at home, that it means everything is okay. And a lot of parents are just, they actually act like they shouldn't invade their children's privacy. Yeah, and there are some parents that just choose to leave them alone and let them do what they want to do rather than dealing with the issue, rather than dealing with the rebellion yeah. or the anger even. All right, so first thing I see is the destruction of the family unit. But now here's one that we can lay uh, blame tremendously on all of these school shootings, and that is a mental health problem. Oh, I agree. You can't be in your right mind and purpose in your thoughts and your heart to do the things that these mass killers have done. It's, I mean, remember Sandy Hook and... Oh, yeah. Sandy Hook. There were 26 that were killed. And that guy, whose name will not be mentioned on this podcast, stole the weapon from his mother, and then he killed his mother. Now, when they went back and looked at that, there were many, many red flags. And I see a couple of issues here. Red flags are being missed or they are being ignored. Yeah, And sometimes I think that those red flags are being ignored or blown off just by saying, oh, he's just blowing off steam. I think too many people are trying to pass the problem off to somebody else. Yeah, let's kick this can down the road. And then when we get down the road and he becomes a mass shooter, a mass killer. Then we it's too say, late. It's too oh, late. Yeah. somebody should have done something. Yeah. And then the people come out and say, well, you know, 10 years ago, you know, he was writing suicidal and murderous poems and, and whatever. And like, that's that's very telling. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that's necessarily just creative outlet here. I think that's a, a mental illness reaching for help and didn't get it. And then the Parkland, Florida uh, shooting in... I think it was Valentine's Day of 2018. The shooter whose name I know and will not be called on this podcast. And that's another thing. I'll just jump right here. I think sometimes they want the notoriety. Well, maybe maybe they want to be remembered. Maybe they do plan. Maybe they are suicidal, but they want to be remembered for some grandiose act that they pulled well that to me further validates the depth of their mental illness i agree and the parkland shooter that was pretty much the case with him and he killed 17 and injured 17 more now he was captured and he pled guilty he actually pled guilty and the trial that they are 
trying to get ready to have. They're in jury selection processes right now, and it's an extended process. And they're looking at this trial, maybe going a month or two. And it's only for the sentencing phase. Is it going to be life without parole or is it going to be a death sentence? Mm -hmm. And that's all they're having the trial for because he's already pled guilty. But there were so many red flags in this one. And he had been such a problem at school that a teacher recognized him on campus and went and hid in the closet. Oh, I didn't even know that aspect. Yeah, and now we said 17 kill, but since then there have been two that have committed suicide. Two of the survivors, two of the students in that school have committed suicide because of survivor's guilt and PTSD. That is an unspeakable shame. It, it absolutely is. So I attribute those two as well to him. Even though the official record says he killed 17, I believe he killed 19. Well, we plus I, his mother. I think we can all agree that there's a stigma regarding mental illness and there shouldn't be. We do know that there is a lot of help and resources available, but I'm here to tell you from my own experience with personal family members Help can be as available as it can be, but family members also have to be willing to seek it and accept it. Uh, and a lot of folks know that there's help and they don't go for it. Yeah, or they do go get help. They get on medication, they get better, they get to feeling better, and then they decide they don't need their medication. And here we go on that hamster yeah, their wheel brain again. Can't, yeah, their brain can't handle that stoppage. We we do that over and over and over again. When they get off of their medication, we get called. We have problems. We send them back. They get help. They get them stabilized. They get medication. They begin to feel better, and then they feel like they don't need it, so they put it aside. Now, let's look at Uvalde the shooting. There were red flags all over the place. Yes, I understand that the shooter was a well-known troublemaker. That he was, and he did not graduate from school. Now, whether that was because he could not or would not, I do not yet know. And that will, we will eventually find that out. And one of the things that we see with the, or they saw with the red flags on this one, is there were post on social media sites as to his intent. Oh, my. Even one of the influencers, he tagged that influencer on his post and posted a photo of two rifles and said, you will repost my guns. And that's all that was said there. And there was a little bit of conversation back and forth across text with that influencer because that influencer was asking, what does this have to do with me? And he said, I'll tell you before 11 o'clock. And oh then the initial 911 call, I believe, was 1128. Well, I understand, too, that the FBI had the shooter on their radar. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, there was an interview with a former assistant director or something that was talking about how much this kid was on their radar. You know, there's been an extensive study of every school mass shooting since Columbine, 
And it shows that in every case, the shooters had mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Many of them are taking psychotropic drugs. All of them showed red flags of behavioral changes and social media postings, statements that they had made publicly where they were wanting to, I guess, almost advertise and post and announce that they intend to do something and to do something big. Folks, we're not saying we know what the answer is. We're going to give you a couple of things that we think can be done that will help with this situation. And but but we don't have the definitive answer. I wish we did. I wish there was a way that we could never ever hear about another school shooting in our lifetimes. Well, I think we also know that, you know, a heart and a life without the Lord Jesus is a destitute and desperate person. That and and the Lord Christ is going to be the only one that can solve this problem. Now, there are some things that we can do to help, and one is to control the access to school buildings. There are still schools, and out west, a lot of them where it's really hot, instead of having a hallway, they have a breezeway. and right, so it's, it's open to it, the outdoors. It's, it's open to the outdoors. Now, I don't know how we're going to control the access. I really don't, but we're going to have to have controlled access into those school buildings to help prevent some of this because in in several of these shootings they have been able to enter the building without being detected i know the parkland shooter he waited till somebody came out and he went in right and yeah. so we need to address that And the second thing is that we need to have some type of reporting system for red flags. You said a while ago that a lot of times we think it's because they're kicking the can down the road, let somebody else deal with it. Well, there's, you know, it's a fine line between delving into someone's medical privacy, Mm -hmm. like when they're having, if they are under a therapist's care, you know, a therapist is not going to run to the news media and say, hey, let me tell you what this one said in session today. I'm not talking about this going to the news media. I'm, I'm talking about improve some type of investigation system. Maybe it involves that therapist. Maybe it involves that school counselor. And maybe there are ways that we can do this as more and more of these red flags show up. Maybe we need some type of reporting system for these red flags and some type of a database and improve the investigation systems and improve the treatment systems. Well, you know, we have a mechanism in place called mandatory reporting I know I had to submit and become certified as a mandatory reporter because I worked in a public school system and you're the same where we would have to be aware and watchful of any signs of forms of abuse, Mm -hmm. uh, physical, uh, sexual, that type of that type of tangible. But there's uh, and we were mandatory reporting, but there's nothing in that mandatory reporting. See, I'm on both sides of that coin. I am a mandatory reporter, and I can be reported to. 
Yeah. You know, we joked about that one time. If you came home telling me about it, was that reporting? Exactly. Yeah. But I've got a, I can be the one being reported too, but I also have, am a mandatory reporter. But there is no place in that law that requires us to report feelings of whatever, that there's a red flag here. This, this guy's saying some things that just don't sound right. Right. So it, there's no place for that. Maybe we need to come up with a way for that. Maybe it needs to come in with it, like the see something, say something, mm-hmm. which, by the way, see something, save something. Uh, we actually averted a school shooting not long ago. Right and here in North it was, Alabama. It was not going to be a mass shooting, but it was going to be a targeted shooting and see something, say something actually save lives there. Maybe we need something along the line of if you suspect something, say something. Well, yes, I know. and there, I can understand where something like that could be misused or abused. But until we find the perfect system for that, I think that we do need to open the door wider to understanding the crisis situation a lot of students find themselves in. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these school counselors and these administrators, they know a whole lot more about what's going on than even the classroom teachers. And the classroom teachers get privy to a lot of things, not Mm -hmm. because they're snooping, but because children are talking. Yes. Now, don't get me wrong on this. I want all of this to be within a constitutional rights situation. I want to protect the constitutional rights of the red flag, let, let me say it like that, the, the person who could become a shooter. I want to protect their constitutional rights, and I want all of this to whatever we need to do and then take it to the judge for review and adjudication. But don't those folks that are killed in these mass shooting situations, don't they have a constitutional right not to be killed? Well, of course. Of course they do. I mean, this, you know, we're not supposed to live in fear in our schools and our workplaces. Uh, that's supposed to be the norm. Uh, and sadly, more and more and more, we're seeing this recklessness and this evil that just becomes unhinged and then unleashed. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's an overarching agenda. I think there is an enemy of mankind. I do believe that there's warfare in the spirit going on between that which is good and that which is evil. And I Mm -hmm. think evil is trying very hard to succeed. And some of the best ways evil knows how to succeed is to tear up the peace and tranquility of a society. And he's doing that very, very well right now. So, yeah, I mean, it, it comes down it. Ultimately, it's a spiritual problem. It is. And it's the again, hearts of people. I want to reiterate that, that not only is my heart heavy for those that were victims of the shooter, but my heart goes out to the family of the shooter. Mm-hmm. Do you know a first grade child actually asked for prayer for the shooter mm. in a prayer service? It just moves me to think that even in the darkest of moments, that a child that was a part of this school that survived met with other children and teachers and parents 
for a candlelight vigil. And the last thing that that one child wanted to express after others had prayed and had words of comfort, this one little six-year-old boy said, Jesus, please forgive the shooter. They said you could have heard a pin drop. I mean, the wisdom and compassion of a child, I'm telling you, it just tears me up. And our hearts are heavy. And we hurt. We hurt for America. And we love this nation. We embrace its laws. And we are so blessed. But we have to do something about the heart and the mind. This isn't about guns or knives or weapons. This is about the heart. And yes, something has to be done, but it doesn't have to turn into a political football. No. It doesn't have to become a disgusting use of a crisis. We have to come to the table and figure out solutions to get help for folks that are in need. Folks, if if you're sitting there today and you're listening and you're struggling, you're having suicidal thoughts, you're having thoughts of harming yourself or others, reach out. Reach out if, if Krista and I are not really qualified, but reach out to us. But we will put the crisis hotline and the suicide hotline numbers in the um, show notes. And I'll go back and put those on the front page of the website. And we'll have the, those up um, within the next few hours anyway. And so that, that'll be up certainly before lunch. But we've got to find a way to reach out and help these folks. We've got to find a way to better protect those who we are called to protect. And those are our precious children, not only second, third, and fourth graders, but all the way up through school, even college, where we've seen these shootings take place. Folks, we love you. As Krista says, stuff happens. Stay prepared. And we'll see you next time.